Welcome to the High and Low podcast, where the shows hit low and I am high. I'm your host, Bravo Bravo Ducking Bravo. I have taken a gummy for this experience because we're going to be going over the final Real Housewives of Salt Lake City reunion, which was just wow. A bittersweet end. Farewell, pirate ships. I believe there were icebergs in the background. Look, I can't sit here saying that I approve of partaking in the wacky tobacco and the gummy for your tummy and then judge a creation like that that could only have come from a psychedelic. We, we have to praise it. We have to appreciate it. I hope that camp is the theme for every single reunion set backdrop. I want to see more of this. Get nuts. Get crazy. Give me something to look at during the dull moments. I kind of, I did appreciate it. So many thoughts. Linda's popping off on social media. We have a lot of things going on. Let's get started. I'm not going to do uh, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, because it was too much. I'm just going to go over topics and subject matter, how they were addressed and who said what. We'll see if we can make sense of it. I think I walked out of there with uh, more questions than answers last night. And I'm going to go by the eat the frog strategy, which is do the thing that you don't want to do the most first. And that would be talk about the black eye. Release us, black eye. When it all first went down, everybody thought Jen Shaw did it. Heather said, no, she didn't. It was an accident. Then she wouldn't tell us what happened. And then she said it was a cabinet door. And then she wrote in her book. And then there was an investigation by Bravo. And she swore that Jen Shaw didn't do it. And now, years later, we're told that Jen Shaw did do it. And Heather was covering for her. And that's part of the reason why she never wants to be friends with anyone that even reminds her of Jen Shaw again. That she was triggered by Monica. And that being around Monica during this entire Bermuda debacle made her stronger and gave her the opportunity to do something that she never got to do with Jen, which was stand up to her. And at the reunion, she says that if Jen Shaw wasn't in prison, she doesn't know if she ever would have had the strength to say enough is enough. But then in an interview with Variety magazine, she said, and had she, as in Jen, been on the reunion couch, I would have said the same thing. And that would have felt really good. And that felt really good to me that it wasn't just that she was in prison. It wasn't just that I was safe now. It was that I was a different person now. And I had boundaries now that I didn't have before. The Variety article also goes into her fear of how Bravo would react when she told them that it was Jen all along. And she apologized at the reunion for that. She said, I'm sorry to Bravo. I'm sorry to everybody. I just didn't have the strength to say that it really was Jen. In the Variety article, she says, I didn't want to answer to Zaddy Andy, but I don't want to make light of it. I was really nervous going into the reunion because no one wants to face their mistakes and certainly not in a public arena. Okay. Heather and Monica could not be more different for so many reasons, but mostly because Heather is prepared. She is prepared. She has stopped and thought about what she's going to say, how she's going to say it, how to communicate why she did what she did, and how to excuse her not saying what really happened. Monica's only defense is to yell profanity. She could take it, she could learn something from what Heather has done here. Heather has woven a tapestry to explain away why she did what she did for the past two years. However much of Heather's story is real, I think one thing is for sure, she practiced this in the mirror. She worked on her delivery, her cadence, and her messaging. All things that Monica's like, huh? Eat a cock, brah. 
Then there are people who believe that the black eye was a result of some sort of injection or uh, Botox or filler or something like that. I put a poll up on my page because I don't have any experience with injections in my face as yet. Then there's another theory that it was season three, episode 11, when they're playing bubble soccer before that trip, that people think she got hit in the face. She was wearing either sunglasses or I don't even know. I have to go rewatch that episode. But my point is people aren't convinced that Jen Shaw caused the black eye. The evidence that was presented was security footage tape from Heather's room, kind of the entrance of it, her hotel room on that trip where she had the black eye and revealed it. And it shows Jen Shaw coming in, but the audio is bad. They can't fix the audio. All we see is the footage. And then Heather is talking over it to Andy saying, okay, she comes in, she returns a bag and says, thank you for letting me borrow that. And then she says, I can't believe I did that to your eye. Heather's walking around, you know, casually in the video. It really is Heather's word yet again, saying that Jen gave her the black eye. Jen from prison is having her crew tell the world, I did not give Heather the black eye. If I had hit Heather, you would have seen it on camera. I'm going to sue people if they keep talking about this. And even last night at the reunion, when she finally says, yes, I'm going to reveal it. Finally, Jen gave it to me. There were no further details provided. None. Now, I think I speak for everyone when I say we cannot and we will not and we shall not do another season where it rotates around this eye and we slowly drip out details of what actually happened with the black eye. I can't. That's my nightmare. Is that Monica gone? They're going to talk about the black eye and that's going to be a season. Now, in response to the poll, the question that I put up saying for those with knowledge of injectables into the face. Could an injection do this, whether it's Botox, whether it's filler, whatever, what have you? And I got a couple of responses. One woman said, I am an injector. I do that for a living. There is no way that an injectable could have caused that. And people are also suspicious because where did that eye patch come from? The one that had the eye on it. How did they get an eye patch so quickly? Did like production go buy an eye patch from somewhere? Like these are the questions that I think people need answered. So I'm going to listen to the injectable professionals and say, okay, it wasn't the injectable. So that theory is out. I have to go rewatch the episode where they're playing bubble ball, whatever the heck that was. I've blocked it out and see if she got hit in the face during that. Or do we just say Jen somehow did it, whether it was goofing around roughhousing, they were always very physical with each other. Or do we just have to let it go? You know, we just have to spread our arms, look up into the sky and say, we're just never going to know. And that's all right. We have to move on. We can't feign interest about this anymore. That's where I'm at with this black eye situation. As a wise woman once said, I can't trust you. Your lies. You hurt me too many times. I got to put me first. I got to put me first. Which to think of it, you know, that sounds so much like Heather's speech. I wonder what Heather did to prepare for this. Did she watch Empire? That's a classic scene from the show Empire, season five. That was a character of Cookie played by Taraji P. Henson. And she tells Lucius, her husband, that wants her to go into hiding with him. The time of ride or die is over. I gotta put me first. So I'm telling you right now, if there are future episodes where it's gonna just be about that, I'm not watching those. And people are dreading next season. I don't know what it's gonna, I'm sure it's gonna be great because they always pull something out of a hat. But Don Gumbelson, uh, tweeted and said, get ready for a fifth season about turning Bad Mormon into a children's musical at the Salt Lake City YMCA. 
And just for clarity, for anyone who might not be aware, that Don Gunvalson account is a parody account on Twitter, not the real Don Gunvalson from Orange County. I think Bravo, for the most part, has just accepted that Salt Lake City is a contradiction wrapped in an enigma. Like, look at Mary. They've brought Mary back. No one has said a peep about her her church cult, cult church. I don't know. We're just letting that go because her church members were spewing all kinds of stuff. They were doing interviews. They had secret recordings of her. But now Andy's like, you're one of my favorites. And she's like, thanks, Andy. She meanders off. And we're like, all right. It's Salt Lake City, y'all. Don't, don't expect it to make sense. A lady who thinks she's a deity. We're cool with it. She absolutely body shamed Heather saying Gucci doesn't make a size 14. And then at the reunion, she says, I wasn't body shaming. Y'all misunderstood me. And we're like, okay, we're just going to accept that and move on. Meredith seems to really enjoy her. Everybody's cool with it. Because at the end of the day, all of them, every single one of them, especially Andy, worship the God of ratings. So as long as Mary contributes to those offerings, praise be. But pretty early on in the episode, Lisa and Monica are really going for each other. Just back and forth, back and forth. Like two siblings who are just fighting in the backseat of a car on a long road trip. And we're like, pace yourself. But also, this is entertaining. They get up to go take their bathroom break. And when they do, I thought that moment was sad and also a sign that this probably wasn't going to go well because every single lady got up and left except for Monica. She was just there with Andy. And Andy, you know, immediately manspreads and is like checking his phone. And they're there all day. So I'm sure he has a million things to do and he's got kids. And Monica does too, but she's just sitting, just sitting. And she like messes with her hair and no one is talking. And she's just there by herself on stage. So throughout the reunion finale, it was very apparent to me that it was all of the ladies against Monica and they were very united front. And all of them pretty much were saying like, she's a no-go. So after the bathroom break, Andy goes in with like, who is the real Monica? You haven't told your side of the story. And so she gets geared up. But instead of that just being an open-ended question, he tailors it and kind of hones in on the Reality Vontis account and says, are you Reality Vontis? Which she already kind of answered in the finale in Bermuda, but she's like, yes, part of it, not all of them. And she goes back over the same facts that we already know, that there were five, six people, started in 2021. And he's like, so the show was on the air and we're all like, yes. Now this is what's weird. Because Monica has said working for Jen, but then she said Jen never paid her. But then she said Jen owed her money at one point. Like that was part of the reason why she was doing the drive-bys, was she said Jen owed me money. But before we get to the weird stuff that will never make sense beyond the black eye, the ladies were very focused on the reality of Antis account being like the worst thing ever, going off on how she was a troll account And she should not be on the show because of that, because the page, quote, came for all of them. Now, as we know, two things can be true at once. Three things can be true at once. Monica slash that account was very trolly. That's why I blocked it forever ago. It had a mean spiritedness to it, mean spiritedness to it. It felt like an insatiable kind of troll hunger where nothing was ever enough. We're like, okay, we get it. Jen's terrible. Like you're still going. However, Heather went in pretty hard. Uh, It's ruined her experience being a housewife. Accounts like Reality Vontis, and I think she pretty much said Reality Vontis, like that whole thing. That social media was really hard being a housewife, which I completely understand. But it's also like that Spider-Man meme where Spider-Man, there's three of them, and they're all pointing at each other. And it's like real housewives having their people, whether it's their makeup artists, their whatever, their assistants, 
I truly believe that a lot of the accounts that are super mean-spirited are run by housewives or their family or their friends or the people that they're paying. Because a lot of them have a very singular focus, like to ruin one specific clique of housewives from one specific city. And that's always a red flag. Or, you know, if they're always like tagging or praising one specific housewife and her friends, it's like, okay. So with Heather saying that, and she said, I think you could get a higher caliber of person for casting for these shows if the social media wasn't so toxic. And to that I say, and I've been saying this for a long time, I don't know why they don't tie the thumbs down of Real Housewives and not let them get on social media and be tweeting up a storm or posting on Instagram or, you know, going on lives, all the things that they do, they go on um, podcasts and they just, you know, there's like a show within a show. It's a lot. And so I just wonder if it would be better if they did not engage with each other on social media while the show is going on or during their contract. Like if you're an active housewife, you can't be getting into the mud on social media. I wonder if that would help. That's just my view of it. It might not change things. There might still be just as much toxicity, but I don't think so. So Monica's yelling in vain that the page was never about anything other than trying to expose Jen Shaw, but Heather and Lisa are yelling at the top of their lungs that by simply sharing and making known what Heather said once or more than once, however many times they did it, that that was also damaging to them. And like, what if we retweeted or reshared a post every single time your mom said something negative about you? And I understand that because that reality Von Teese account, boy, oh boy, there were too many chefs in the kitchen. And that makes a lot of sense now because the kind of frantic repost, 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 tag, 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 it was a lot. So I definitely see how the account was annoying And if somebody had called me names online and there was one account who just kept sharing that all day, like that would be very hurtful to have. I'd be like, okay, I understand. Please, you don't need to keep doing that. If you're trying to help me, this is not helping. At the same time, Heather kept up her friendship with Jen Shaw because there was a break. There was a pause. They were on pause for a minute. And that was when the news came out about Jen Shaw yelling at Koa, the dress designer in her house on that 10 minute videotape that apparently Monica set up for her. Heather broke away from Jen Shaw for a bit. And there, there's a whole season and episode dedicated to Jen Shaw winning Heather back. And it wasn't very hard to do. And we all watched it and we all yelled. And I remember talking to Kate Casey about this forever ago of just like, I hate this. I hate that Heather is forgiving Jen after her saying that she either looked like she shopped at Dress Barn or her clothes looked like they were from Dress Barn. She just said the meanest, mean girl, awful things. And Heather forgave her and they laughed again. And I think on the show, she said like, I just enjoy how much fun we have. And so I'm willing to forgive her to get back to that fun place. That's me paraphrasing. It was a tough moment because Monica could not understand that the women would be hurt by what the account did. Her view of it was the account was trying to do something that would actually help them in the long run. But the account was way too messy. It was way too trolly. They should have had one to two people at the helm. Having five, six people in there doing stuff all day long, mess. That brings me to one of the things that is the hardest 
for me to accept, which is that Heather kept her hairdresser, Tanisha, after learning that Tanisha was part of Reality Vontis. Tanisha helped set up the email for it. Tanisha is going back and forth, back and forth with Monica via text. They're DMing, they're leaving each other voice notes on how to run the account on drive-bys. Whitney even says, it's not even so much the account as what she and Tanisha, and they bleeped out the name, but you can read her lips, said back and forth to each other on text. So Heather's fine with keeping the hairdresser, but she can't stomach having Monica near her. She's triggered by her. She cannot film with her. And at one point in the reunion, Heather says, no, you were a terrible account. When I stopped following you, you called me a, and it was like terrible stuff that were said to her, like an, you know, F face, whatever, da, da, da. And that, that was that, that was that account. I was like, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so reality Montes, isn't it? That's classic reality Montes. That could have been Tanisha, Heather. You don't know. Monica is just taking the brunt for everything that ever happened with that account. They're conveniently not hearing her when she says there were five to six people that were posting. Did Tanisha do any of the drive-bys? Was Tanisha aware that Monica had access to Heather's secure, I mean, to Jen's security camera footage? I'm just never going to get over that, that, that she's still her hairdresser. At the same time, Monica could not understand that the drive-bys were extremely creepy. She said at the reunion, drove by her house two or three times, a couple of times. Then Heather pulls out her phone from, you know, Tanisha. Tanisha dropped all the receipts to Heather, gave her everything she had. And according to Tanisha, 20 plus times was how many drive-bys there were. And sometimes there was video and audio of it. And they showed some of it. And I appreciated that. They showed Monica in the car with an unknown blurry face driver who they had little cheap, very cheap looking kids looking binoculars saying, we're doing a drive-by and they're all giddy and they think that this is very, you know, cutting edge. They're really doing something. We're going to drive by Jen's house. Oh my God, oh my God, I see Jen. Oh my God. Oh, the Range Rover is still there. To me, it's very alarming if somebody does a drive-by, even two times. To have driven by somebody's house, let's split the difference. Let's say it was 10 times. That's nine too many times. Potentially 10 too many times. Was Jen a horrible person slash is Jen a horrible person hopefully working on herself? Yeah. Don't be driving by her house 10 times. I get it. It's very middle school teenager kind of a thing to do. I'm, I can't imagine the adrenaline and the feeling of thinking somebody is awful and then seeing that they were the head of this crime ring and that they're going to go to like, that's a lot. And I understand that. We'll throw a couple of drive-bys her way from, for that kind of understanding. 20 is too much. And some people are differing on this, like, oh, drive-by, what was the big deal? But I think for the people out there who watch true crime, as I do, and I know many of you do as well, there's something that just rings the alarm bells of someone starting those steps of doing drive-bys. Then the security camera footage. So these are, to me, my red lines in the sand. One is the drive-bys, the number of them. Two is the security camera footage. The story that we know that we're told is that Jen and Coach Shaw were not home the day that the security camera people were coming by to install everything. But Monica just so happened to be around and not busy, even though she's a mom of four with a baby blanket company. So she has it all set up on her phone. And she says Jen asked her to do that. Whether or not Jen was aware of the power that she was giving Monica remains to be seen. I'm sure she will try to tell us about it five years from now. But either way, 
Monica admitted that she did have access to the cameras inside of Jen Shaw's home. And Monica keeps yelling, it was my account. No, it was my account. Monica, it was inside Jen's home. Sure, maybe the access was through a username and password on your phone, but that's where the your ownership ends. It was a violation of privacy. Heather is yelling on the couch that she watched her. Lisa's convinced that she watched her and surveilled and listened to things in the house. And I also think that she probably would do that. My other line in the sand is not being interesting and making up crap. She came out very fresh. Like, here's what I did. I had an affair with my brother-in-law. I'm excommunicated. And she just seemed to shake out her own skeletons. And that was very refreshing to see. We connected with her on the pressure she felt to look like she was dripping in labels. But then she had to go and, in my opinion, embellish or make up stories about the Greek mafia. I think she was behind that at the reunion. She says she wasn't. She had nothing to do with it. But I feel like I'm not a poker player, but I feel like she gets a certain look on her face, a certain nervous little look and a slight hesitation when she's asked questions that that you know she knows and everybody else knows, the answer just doesn't make sense. So he asked her point blank, Andy said, are you behind the account that that messaged Meredith and you saying that Angie was part of the Greek mafia or that Angie had tax problems or that Angie's business was in trouble, tax lien, what have you? And she says no, and I would be honest with you about that, which means there's probably five other people that likely did it that <laughs> were the same people involved in reality von T's account. So if it wasn't her, if it was, I think it was one of that crew. And that's where it's a shame. Why couldn't you just talk about your baby blanket company? You know, I'm sure you and your mother do have very real issues. Don't need to play those up. Just talk about your own life, not need to make up like family in Bermuda that suddenly don't meet you and Russian mafia and your mom steals your car, but obviously knows when you're home and dressed in Burberry. All of that. I don't want that. I don't want the hills. But maybe the rest of the world does. Maybe they do, because she at least put a lot of effort into it. And I've said that before. A lot of housewives are giving us nothing these days. And at least she was working hard, even if it was in the wrong direction. There's an LA Times article that came out yesterday about Monica called How Monica Garcia Made the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City Unhinged, Unmissable TV. And it talks about the riveting quality of having a self-proclaimed hero in Heather and someone who's embracing a villain role like Monica, which I don't think she really ever embraced a villain role. I, I didn't get that. But this article is definitely Team Monica. They feels that they should have brought Monica back. Their argument for that is that because so many housewives dodged the most painful parts of their life and Monica was so willing to jump into them, put them on display for us, talk about them. And it praises her for being willing to check Lisa Barlow, give her kind of a reality check for her spending, her lamenting the $60,000 ring, stuff like that. Now, I thought Bravo was going to keep Monica just because she was good for ratings. But again, I believe that it came down to the other women not wanting to film with her because even today, Andy came out and said, quote, that there would be a cooling off period. He didn't call it a break. He called it a cooling off period. Andy also said, well, here's the thing. I think the reunion is the chance to come out, say why you did what you did on the season. 
It's the Supreme Court of Public Opinion. And so Monica, I think, had the opportunity not only to explain herself to the audience, but way more importantly, in this case, to the other women. And I don't think she successfully swayed any of them to her side. I agree. And I would add to that. The Supreme Court is lucky that it doesn't have the Bravo sphere analyzing everything that goes on in there. Can you imagine if we all paid attention to what was happening on the Supreme Court with as much detail and enthusiasm as we track Bravo stuff? Like with, with Bravo humor, they go home crying every night and we're tweeting at them and making fun of them and holding them accountable. I feel like we could change the country. There was a moment that she absolutely botched. First of all, she botches it with her attitude, which is she comes in extremely strong, way too strong, cursing, F-bombing, not at all trying to make a human connection. And then when that doesn't just blow someone over, then she just shuts down, just sort of gets reserved and won't engage at all. So there's a point in there where she snapped at a couple of people and then she just sort of sits there. And Andy says, you know, do you have any closing words, anything you want to say? Now, Heather will talk all day if you say, do you have any closing words? So talk all day. But Monica didn't say a word. She's like, no, I'm good. And that was her chance to weave it all back together and say, look, at the end of the day, I had good intentions. None of us feel good about the way we behaved when we were around Jen Shaw, including me. But she was not prepared for that. She had a great dress on. Speech was not ready. And my DMs are filled with people who think that Monica is, you know, emotionally stunted because she acts so childish. They believe that it has something to do with this theory that the year that you are in childhood and you experience any kind of real, you know, setback emotionally or trauma, like when her mom left her when she was 12, people believe that she acts like she's 12 because that's when she had this big rift, this big devastating moment between her and her mother. That may be true. If that's true, she needs to work on that. I truly hope that she is going to get, you know, therapy, either she herself or she and her mother, like real therapy where they both show up and mean it while she's on this, this break. And yes, her mother was very active on social media, as we all expected. During the reunion, she seems to try to bond with the other ladies saying, hem, welcome to the club. This is what was done to me. Selective clips, not letting me talk not inviting me to the reunion to set the record straight. Always makes me giggle. Linda thinks she should have been invited to the reunion. And of course she does. She also tweeted, I'm setting the record straight. I love my daughter and I've always rallied for her success. And I did not pray to be on the show. Never wanted to do it in the first place. Never applied. Someone asked her, are you taking this news as badly as the rest of us? Because Monica was not going to return to the show. And her reply was, yes, but Monica has star quality. Star emoji. Wherever she goes, her hashtag R-H-O-S-L-C stands will follow her. I've been trying for years to convince her to produce her own show, something funny and uplifting. This would be the perfect time for her to do so, prayer hands. Her own show, her mother says. Then a little bit later, somebody tweets at her and says, no, someone just tweeted and, and uh, tagged her daughter, Monica Garcia and said, hey, Monica's carrying part three of the reunion. Heather couldn't even think of a comeback. And so her mother jumps in and says, forget TV. I predict you're going to see Monica on the big screen. Monica was made for film slash movies. Bookmark this prediction. And that's where I'd like to tie it back in to a previous podcast I did called Starlet Namesakes. That was my last Real Housewives of Salt Lake City recap, where I told you that the name Linda Darnell 
was a Hollywood actress in the 1940s who was pushed into showbiz by her mom. And she was in a movie about the Mormons. And I just wonder if this whole starlet namesake thing is, is really on the nose as much as we think it is. I, I do think it is. The Burn Book. I had been under the impression that that was a Bravo prop to like promote Mean Girls because the Mean Girls, you know, movie or whatever is out and Renee Rapp is at the new star of Mean Girls is out there doing a million interviews. And I'm like, look at Bravo. They're trying to sell us Walmart. They're trying to sell us Coke. And now they're trying to sell us Mean Girls. And I was wrong about that, I believe, because someone told me that no, Monica and her crew made that book for the reunion. That was not a Bravo production. And I believe that to be true because then right after the reunion aired, she had like these very, you know, planned photos holding the book with like a little fuzzy sweater and a bow in her hair and a cat eye. Like that was all planned. They took those photos prior to the reunion, obviously. But if only they had put as much thought into the contents of the burn book as they did the exterior facade of the book and of her outfits posing with the book. There was no there there. It seemed like it was much ado about nothing. But one thing did make me laugh so hard. I'm gonna have to go back and save my highlight because I was caught off guard by something and I laughed a guttural laugh from the depths of my soul as only Lisa Barlow could produce from me because he's looking through the burn book, Andy is, and a picture of Lisa Barlow comes up. <laughs> and it's a really bad picture. Uh, according to her, we, we think it's cute. It's like her big 80s hair or whatever, you know, like a big poofy, poofy hairdo that was popular in the 80s. And she's like, oh, no, that picture is so bad of me. <laughs> the way that she like moan laments it out. That they really got Lisa good because everybody knows that Lisa's kryptonite is her not looking good. She loves to look good. She's got her makeup artist on call. She will have her makeup done any every single day. It's just, and then Mary comes in and says, you know, that's an insecurity, right? When they talk about the fact that Lisa will have her makeup done every day until she dies. And I'm like, Mary, did you just talk, did you just talk about someone's insecurity? And Angie jumps in and she's like, well, she can't see. She can't see, so she can't do her own makeup. And I'm like, okay. And like, she can't see? Like, what are we talking about here? What's your prescription? I'm a minus four. What, what you got going on? But I guess, can she not, is she nearsighted or farsighted? I have a lot of questions. And I'm like, if she can't see, that ring never stood a chance, y'all. That ring never stood a chance. If she can't see, how is she going to find that ring in a bathroom? And another contentious moment was when Monica insisted, even when Andy pushed back a few times, that production knew that she was reality of Antise, that that was not a secret, that she told production, according to her, she told production the very first time they ever came to her house. And what prompted this was Lisa screaming, everybody at Bravo knew that she was reality of Antise and she was going to take us down and no one cared. And Andy's swearing up and down like, we did not know. We had no idea. We did not know. And Monica jumps in and he's like, who? Who do you think? Who do you think knew about it? And she's like casting when they came to my house. So again, we may never know what Bravo knew and didn't know. But we do know that Bravo had her name on file because they were given a copy of the cease and desist that Jen Shaw issued back in March. That's two opportunities to connect the dots. One from the cease and desist and two, she's saying she told them. 
And this is why you're like, you know, she sounds a little down today. She's not as peppy. They've sucked the life out of me. At the end of that last part of, of the reunion, I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with Salt Lake City for a while. I may need to take a little breaky break myself because they've exhausted me between what did Bravo know? Who can you trust? Like oh, Heather's whole speech. We too have been burned, Heather. We too have a problem trusting. You're not the only one who went through this thing with Jen. We all went through this thing with Jen too, especially the accounts. Jen was all up in my DMs. Jen was all up in everybody's DMs. That woman worked hard to get people on her side, to get people to like her. She was a likable person. Like, do you all even remember the Shaw Squad? How could you forget? She would send merchandise to accounts with Shaw Squad branded stuff on it. I, not me. Don't look over here. I don't take things from housewives. But she sent it out and people would be like happy to get. I'm not judging accounts that do. I'm just saying it's not my thing. And so they'd be like, yeah, Shaw Squad. And she was trying to build that up. And looking back, you can see, I think she knew that at some point, I think she knew that the heat was coming from around the corner and she was trying to build up a world that would champion her innocence and maybe there was some delusion in her in the depths of her mind that thought that she might get away with it or that if she had enough people who loved her, it wouldn't happen. And then when that news came out, it was very shocking. So to now have Heather and other people on the show seemingly doing and saying things that you can't trust, and Monica didn't help it. Monica made it worse. She really could have turned things around in that finale part of the reunion, but she didn't. It's just this unbelievable stuff that she keeps saying. Like she tried to excuse the drive-bys. Like just say you got caught up in it. Just say I was an idiot. I got caught up in it. I've never been through something like that. Uh, you know, answering all these questions for the FBI. And then I would be so just amped up and thinking about this person. And so driving by was just like this way of of trying to get what whatever, but she didn't do that. Instead, she's like, I was driving by to try to catch her drinking and driving. What? What? In what world would the FBI be aware, condone, encourage, not dissuade you from driving by a convicted felon's house as she's awaiting arraignment? In what world, knowing that you're an informant, whatever you want to call it, would they say, yeah, no, you should go close to her. You should be the one to try to do a citizen's arrest if you see her tiny little body either going to the car, looking tipsy, and you have to use your own judgment on this one, Monica. Here, here's a little here's a little sheriff deputizing you. You go ahead and you try to find her drunk driving. You mom of four, Utah mom, we're going to have you go out and do that work. We're fine with that. We think that sounds like a great idea. Ma'am, what? But she's straight-faced, but she gets this little, she gets a look. I'm telling you, if I played poker with her, I would know when she was lying. And she's like, yeah, and she owed me money. That's when she says, and she also owed me money. What were you going to do? You were going to jump out and say, give me my $2? It's gone. At the same time, I'm like, be quiet, Heather. Because then Heather's chiming in, she just wanted to be on the show. And I really don't think to try to get on the show, you'd be doing drive-bys. That doesn't make any sense either, Heather. So she's not necessarily saying the FBI sent her or whatever. She's just saying, that's why I was doing the drive-bys. I was trying to catch her drinking and driving. I was unaware that, that Jen had a serious problem with drinking and driving, so this was also news. I remember Heather at one point saying she called her an Uber, and the Uber didn't drop her off at her house. She saw that the Uber brought her somewhere else, and there was all this talk of her allegedly possibly having an affair. We barely heard from Meredith this one. We barely heard from Whitney. Angie yelled a few times at Monica. 
They did talk about Meredith's butter, which was nice that it got a moment. And uh, Meredith still had that big rock, like crystal gem necklace that you could probably knock somebody the hell out. I'm here for women having jewelry that can double as weapons. They make these rings that have like cat ears on them and it's really just for knocking someone, just for hitting them in the face or scratching them or something. I think it's great. It was like a homie to clown necklace. You could just put it in a sock and you could really do some damage. But it was pretty much the Heather and Monica show with peppering in of Lisa. Biggest things I'm seeing coming out of the fandom was people very irritated with Heather. Not believing her, being irate that she led us down different paths when it was always Jen. Harkening back to the footage from season three where she's very cocky about the black eye, kind of taunting the ladies with maybe one day they'll learn how it happened, being very bold about it. There's a clip of her, Jen Shaw's getting ready in a mirror and she's like, come on, Jen, to shut them down. You can just say, hey, we're going to talk about how Heather really got the black eye. And they're going to go, zip. And they're going to shut up because they don't know. Just kind of kind of using it. And that's how it felt at the time that she was sort of wielding it as this card to play for, you know, storyline, attention, intrigue, what have you. And so now for it to come back around again, if she was truly a victim of Jen Shaw and Jen clocked her or something, then that is horrible. And we hate that. But for the beef With Monica to be trust and believability and then Heather to also have such issues with trust and believability, the irony isn't lost on us. So a lot of people are saying Heather should take a step back. She should take a season off, you know, and maybe that's not a bad idea, but they're never going to do that now because her whole receipts, timeline, that all made it into the zeitgeist. So she's valuable. She knows that. I think she's a little cocky because of that. And I think she got very, very lucky having Monica on the show and then saying, Jen actually did the black eye. I lied to everyone. I don't think there's any other situation. This was like the perfect storm for her to be like, and I actually was lying about how I got this black eye because I think them realizing that this cast member has been lying about something, they would have been like, Hey, you need to take a timeout. That's pretty serious to have lied to us. Another issue people have is a seeming hypocrisy between being fine with Jen and not being fine with Monica. Lisa made her peace with Jen. Heather made her peace with Jen. All these women were fine with Jen, an actual criminal that the Southern District of New York spent nine years investigating. They were fine giggling it up with her, going to New York with her. And so the beef a lot of people have, and I get it, is that, yeah, Monica was childish. Monica was creepy sometimes. Monica got got really into this stuff. Monica was maybe obsessed with being on the show, but you can never compare her to Jen Shaw. But I also understand Heather's speech that she made when Andy said, why? What is it about Monica that you can't get over? And she's like, she took the time to find a housewife, befriend her, quote, work for her, even if it was for free, ingratiate herself into her life, go around like she went to... Why did she lie about never having been in Meredith's store? Things like that. If somebody will lie about things that don't matter, that's a red flag. If you will lie about something that doesn't even matter, they will absolutely lie about things that do matter, in my opinion. Andy showed her a lot of compassion. Andy was very kind to her, like I said in the last recap one, that he you know, talked in unison with her, seemed to be very focused on the issues between her and her mother, offering her grace for that. On his radio, Andy, on Sirius, 
he said that hurt people hurt people. And so she was at least trying to address and work through some issues with her mother and that that was a really compelling storyline, which it was. It did not need to be embellished. And so I personally think that Andy and the producers see a place for her in the Bravo sphere. They think that they can work with this. And they probably see all kinds of scheming and wheeling and dealing that we don't. Somebody that is currently on a show could be worse than Monica. Again, there are women who do not even live in the cities where they are on a show. And I will maintain that if Monica had been more mature and been able to face the music and just face the fear and, and get in with the ladies and instead of making all these storylines up, just be like, look, I'm going to host a dinner. This could be the end for us, but I need to be honest with you all. And then revealed it herself in a compassionate way and in a way that was like, I was desperate to show what she had done. I realize now that that was not the best way. If you will look, you will see that we have not posted on that account since this day at this time. And then it would have completely turned the tables on that storyline, but she didn't do that. And she said at the reunion that they had all sworn a blood oath they would take it to the grave. <sighs> no. There's an old saying that three people can keep a secret only if two are dead. <laughs> not saying to end people who know your secret, but to say that there is no honor in a group of people who know something juicy, especially not on a televised show. She's the one, her neck is on the line. She's the one who's on the show. She needed to be the one to bring that to light. And I think the other people involved with the account would have understood that. So that was her fatal mistake. And then not tying a bow on it. I think she had two opportunities, one to own it. And then the other opportunity was at the reunion when Andy gave her the floor and she said, no, I'm good. I don't have anything else to say. I think I saw a look on his face that was like, well, that's the end for you. If you can't figure out how to spin this in your favor and make a statement, then you don't have what it takes to be up here. And I truly don't think she does right now. She's entertaining as hell, y'all. I'm sorry for anybody out there that's like a real Monica stan. I think we got her best and it wasn't that great. It was just this reveal of reality Von Because if you really look back and think about what she gave us on the show, when she wasn't plotting and scheming, it was good. But these plots and these schemes were very distracting to me. And that's what she was banking on. She really thought she was doing something with this Greek mafia thing and the tax liens and the family who ditched her. It would have been that. It would have been the hills. So I think it's, it's the best of all worlds. Now she realizes I can't play games like this if I want to be on that show. It's almost like she was in like a French immersion school. It's the best way to learn language. Just throw them in. And that's how she learned housewives ropes. She was thrown in, sink or swim, and she didn't make it the first season. We've seen housewives do the same or worse. Phaedra, who is back on shows, she's on Traders. She's been on Ultimate Girls Trips, bonding with Brandy. She told a horrible lie on Real Housewives of Atlanta, a lie that could have had real serious repercussions to Candy. For anybody who didn't watch back in the day, she told a lie that there was a rumor on the streets, you know how it goes, that Candy and her husband were going to or had it in their minds that they wanted to drug Portia and take her down to their sex dungeon. And that is a horrible thing. And Portia believed it. And at a reunion is when she allegedly realized or was told by Phaedra, no, that wasn't something that was actually going around. I made that up and told you that. And after that, Phaedra was put on pause. She was given a break because if you're that desperate for a storyline or to try to burn someone that you're going to make up stuff that's really damaging like that, you got to go have a seat and think about things for a minute. And so I think 
it's best what's happening right now with Monica because her and her mom can't be like with their little quill pen like mm. and and then we'll have and then we'll like stop storyboarding the show just go live and as I say that I'm very aware that most of the housewives are coordinating and plotting and storyboarding and trying to think of something anything other than their real lives to talk about when they're on the damn show and that's why I love certain franchises more than others I like the real ones also, let's talk about Heather going on Watch What Happens Live last night. She said some, a couple of things that I was just like, oh, and this is why I'm half alive. This is why I'm not bubbly today. I'm not punchy. I'm not full of pep in my step because they drained me. Today drained me. Heather on Watch What Happens Live said, quote, when asked about Monica talking to Andy, said, I hope Jen Shaw, she said she, I hope she is glad that we uprooted Monica, who was after her the whole time. Now, I think she said at the reunion part three, he said, what would you say if you could say something to Jen? And she said that I'm not your bitch anymore. But that sounds like something one would say if one was still one's bitch. And I'm sorry, there's going to be cursing in this one. And I'm like, does this explain some of the vitriol to Monica? Because Monica was so out to get Jen. But so was your hairdresser. And you've kept her. She's still doing your quaffs. Did she travel with her to New York to go to watch What Happens Live? Was Tanisha in the building? I think if Jen came back tomorrow, if something happened, if she performed CPR on someone in the mess hall, and save someone's life and got a year or two or three or four cut off her sentence of six and a half years, and she came back tomorrow, I think Heather would be her friend again. Without hesitation. These women have no scruples. They're friends with Mary. But God, the internet's funny. The internet is so funny, and they bring so much joy. Someone said, but her hair looks so good. on Watch What Happens Live last night. I would forgive Tanisha, too. <laughs> and that was at Ramona Swinger on... Uh, Twitter, who said that? And I will not call it X. And that's what I said last time. That's a testament to how hard it is to find a good hairdresser, that you are so triggered by Monica that you cannot film with her, but Tanisha's cool. You're going to keep her around because she does good hair. So she had a lot of self-righteous stuff and some things that Lisa was saying and that Heather were saying at the reunion and now, I'm like, are you talking about Monica or are you talking about Jen? Because Heather was like, you know, bullies... You can't be a bully on the show. I'm like, that's what Jen was. And you learned to live with it. You liked it. You were fine. All of you, all of you were. But okay, they've turned a different, they've turned over New Leaf. They're different people now. Monica's changed them and they no longer are putting up with that. All right, noted. Let's note the time and date. It's, it's 2024. Jen's getting out in six years. We'll see what happens. And then Lisa's tweeting, I guess, bad things about Monica saying, if you were traumatized, you wouldn't be asking to meet up at the Red Iguana for dinner or DMing Jen to make amends. And I'm like, is this about Heather or is this about Monica? See, I don't know because both of them were cool with Jen. But I think she's saying it's about Monica. And I'm honestly done. I'm honestly done with all of these ladies right now. I, I, I need a break from them. Now I'm going to read you all some tweets that made me laugh. Bravo and Botox shared these. There's an account called Prostitution Whore. The O's are zeros on Twitter. And they said... Quoting Heather, the person who would take that shit then won't take that shit now. 
And they said, Heather, you only say that because Jen's behind bars. If she was still on this couch, she'd be hanging out of her ass like a dingleberry. Y'all, and this leads me to something that I keep thinking about, which Heather was going off on one of her big things. Like she really wanted to get a long speech out, but Andy wouldn't let her. He was like, no, no, please, no, we're trying to hear from Monica. No, we're trying to hear from Monica. And uh, she was like, it's the worst. She's, this whole account has been, this has ruined our experience. It's ruined my experience as it had ruined it. And I'm like, Reality Vontis, an account that really was only active for about a year that exposed Jen Shaw, was the worst thing about your housewife's experience? Not the thing you just said, which was Jen Shaw giving you a black eye? Being physically struck by another housewife in such a way that you've just painted a picture for us that you were afraid, intimidated, Whatever words you want to insert there to where you feared, you were scared, you didn't feel safe, you used the word safe twice, I believe, that still didn't compare to what Reality Von Teese reshared and reposted. So for Monica and for Heather, I was like, stop it. What are you doing? And, you know, Lisa's, she's on one too. And she put out this big old thing. It's just like a post where it's a, a black background with white text on it. And it's like, troll is a troll. And she messed up. There's typos in it. We, She had her rings on. We don't know what she was doing. A troll is S troll. A liar is a liar. There is no lesser degree of trolling or lying. But Heather also lied. Ugh. And again, I yell from the rooftops. What I hate to yell, but what what just calls from my soul sometimes with all these Real Housewives, which is all y'all fake. All y'all fake, get off your high horse. But look, we will see Monica again. We know they're going to bring her back. She's going to go beyond traitors. She's going to go beyond Big Brother. She's going to go do Dancing with the Stars. I'm not saying that she has signed anything for any of these places. I'm just saying she's probably got an agent by now. You got an LA Times article about you and about how you shook up already a crazy show. If you think about all the shows, yes, we have the legal scandal on Beverly Hills, but it's adjacent. Erica wasn't the lawyer. She was either complicit or indifferent or in her world, unaware. But again, don't forget the Marco Marco case, which that's going to be a separate pod. But this was the biggest like criminal that we have seen in Jen Shaw. So for someone to then come into that city and say, oh, Jen Shaw's not here, and you think ratings aren't going to be great, look what I got for you. It's kind of amazing. Because even when we didn't know that she was reality of aunties, she was good TV. People were liking her. They were tuning in for her verbal altercations with people, for her drama. She just hit a tipping point. She was good. She was, she was a good first season housewife. I don't think she was legendary, she hit legendary status because of the reality of Auntie's situation. Now, I think Andy and Bravo and all of them, they see that something could be done with her, but she just dropped the ball at the reunion. You know, when Andy asked her that question of, do you want to be on, do you want to be their friends or do you just want to be on the show? He was spoon feeding her. That was Papa Andy Bird trying desperately to feed Baby Bird, to coax this little fledgling to just fly to soar above us as a housewife of all time, but she flip-flapped. She's like, um, both? Is it possible to do both? Fail. Poor Andy. I mean, we've seen him really come for people, be shady with people. He was very, very kind to her. He really tried to lay a little trail 
of success out, and she did not take it. I could see in his face he was hopeful that she was going to shine in these moments he was he was giving her. You know, he was giving her the assist, like bump set spike. He was setting it perfectly above the net for her every time and every single time she didn't hit it. And even in her apology, when she's like, she did the if apology. I'm sorry if we were trying to expose Jen. I'm sorry if we hurt you. Nope, not good enough. You're at the reunion. I'm so sorry for the pain that we caused. Go from there. She just needs training, y'all. And, you know, in her mom's own words, like she's meant to be a star, blah, blah, blah. Bravo was kind of like the Hollywood of yore where they didn't have unions. People were contracted out. And so they would find somebody on the street, a starlet in the making, and they would say, hey, kid, I can work with you. And they would do a complete makeover and they would work with them on their voice and singing and dancing classes and they would set them up with some fake romance for the papers to take notice of them. And then they would do like a three movie deal, a four movie deal. And they would try to elevate a starlet. They would pick them out of the street, spit shine them, turn them into a star, baby. And Bravo can do that. They could do that with, uh, with Monica. I'm sure a lot of the producers want to do that with her. Like get her in a room. And it would be somewhere between the two movies, Born Yesterday and My Fair Lady. A very basic way of looking at both movies is that they take somebody with immense potential and they make them better. You know, Andy could come in for mock reunion trials and uh, they could be like, okay, well, oh, an even better movie correlation I could make is Point of No Return. Please rent Point of No Return if you've never seen it. It's a 1993 movie. It's with Bridget Fonda. It's a remake of a movie that was a foreign film. Um, and the foreign film was called Little Nikita, I think, was it? Anyway. It's about taking someone and turning them into something amazing. I won't even, I won't spoil it for you. Even though it came out in the 90s, I'm being nice and I'm not spoiling it for you. It's a very good movie. I recommend it. Point of No Return. Somewhere between those three movies, Born Yesterday, Point of No Return and My Fair Lady is how I see Monica's evolution going to being a housewife that's formidable in the future. What will be very interesting is whether or not Jen Shaw follows through on her threat to sue Andy, sue Bravo, sue everybody involved with saying that she gave Heather the black eye. When it happened, we all assumed it was Jen and Heather playing or getting too rough or whatever have you. And she had scratches on her forearm as well. None of it felt like it was anything other than that. So now to find out that it was that but then to have no details because they were drinking and they don't remember, it's always going to be a weird situation. And I would ask myself, on what grounds would Jen Shaw try to sue? Like if it's for defamation, what impact is it having on her? There's no way that someone saying that she gave them a black eye, but it wasn't as if she was directly assaulting them or that they can even remember that it was probably rough housing or something that in no way defames her more than being the ring leader of a national telemarketing scheme that defrauded the elderly. If I was the judge, I'd be like, in what way is this doing you harm professionally or personally more than what you've actually done in your real life? Like, it's certainly not going to affect her doing prison plays and workout classes and things. There, no one there flinches at this. Now, an ongoing discussion that I'm having with people in DMs is about the damage that was done by the Reality Von Teese account to Heather and others by simply sharing what Jen said. I see what they were trying to do. I would never have gone about it that way. They had information that Jen was saying horrible things about her friends, 
calling Heather names, being terrible to Koa. I can see releasing the Koa videotape on an account and just letting that be it. But they took it farther and they decided that they were going to share everything that they knew about her saying about the other women. And some of those things were very, very hurtful. And so I get Heather's point of saying, you know, to see that be tagged in that 10 times a day for X many weeks, however many times they did it, because it was really insufferable, y'all. It was bad. They would post a lot of stuff all day long. What they could have, would have, and should have done instead, they should have just taken that screenshot and instead of releasing it to the world, send it to the housewives and say, this is what this person is saying about you without your knowledge. But they didn't because they're like kids. So they just put it out to the world and that does damage, unintended damage. But now that's stuff that the women can't get over, have a hard time getting over. And so absolutely, I'm yelling at the TV like, Heather, Lisa, she was trying to show what a terrible person Jen Shaw was. And I'm thinking in my mind, like the videotape and whatever. But absolutely, if somebody said something completely awful, just put yourself in those shoes about you, said that you looked like XYZ, made fun of you, and it's a friend of yours, and someone takes that, and they're making posts of it, and they're putting it out, and they're putting it all over the world, and then all the accounts are talking about every that's rough. It was essentially making a mountain out of a molehill in their mind of, yeah, she said this thing, this one thing in DM, but you all made it into a huge thing that then no one could escape. Everyone talked about and it was in our faces 24-7. And it almost turns Jen into a bit of a victim too, because she said it one time to someone in DM. And then that person is taking it and amplifying it hundreds of thousands of times to this account, that account. And then that person shares it. Now it's on this platform and that platform. And it turns into something so much bigger. So in a weird way, Monica and her crew may have actually made it easier for Jen and Heather and others to bond over something being really damaging and out there. And Jen didn't intend for it to do that. And she's sorry. And she made a joke she didn't think anybody else would find out about. That's the unintended consequence there. And there's also the old adage of don't shoot the messenger, but a lot of people do. And look, we'll always have this season. They can't take it from us. This season will go down in the annals of Bravo history. I'm going to keep this show now that I've recorded the marathon. I'm keeping this on my DVR in perpetuity. And we all know a first-time housewife does not make that much money. I think it's $25,000 is the, is the average paycheck for your first season. And that's why it's even more shocking to me that she didn't have her baby blanket business ready to jump off. Can you imagine if she had the baby blanket business going and then she hit it as big as she's hit it right now with all this popularity? She could have put little sayings on baby blankets. She had her own merch line that she essentially just let go before she started up on Real Housewives. The 25000 is really just your entry through the door to see if you're going to make it and stay or not. That's why so many housewives have these other lines and streams of income. And so we're going to see her on some shows. We're going to see her doing whatever she needs to do. Especially because as the Bravo docket shared with the world, she's got about 20 lawsuits and most of those are debts that she has against her debt collection cases. Bravo Docket on their podcast said that 20 of the lawsuits are debt collection cases. One is a lien, one is the divorce. And then, of course, the one breach of contract for Beauty Lab and Laser for that $2,000 she didn't pay. And most of us are screaming like, just pay the $2,000. Surely you have that from Bravo. But think about it. She's a mom of four. She got 25 grand, maybe. What does it cost to go on these trips? I would love... 
a housewife to give me a financial breakdown at some point? Who do we think would be honest about it? I wonder, like, what do you put into it What versus what you make out of it? What is it to be a quote, real housewife? What does it cost you to buy the little shoes that everybody will look down and be like, oh, those are blah, blah, blah shoes. Or that's the da 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 bag. Or that's the dress that looks like it's a bunch of twigs in a bundle that everybody wears. Like, what is all that cost? What do you do with all that crap afterwards? Because you can't have it kicking around your house. You're not going to wear it again. The glam, the hair, leasing a Range Rover or getting a dealership to give you one with their plates on it as advertising. And maybe this is why I like Potomac for their authenticity, because you just got Robin in a pair of yoga pants with a really low, low brow gathering of like she didn't even light the little canisters under the aluminum catering trays. You know what I mean? No napkins. No shade, just food on tables in the sun. I would never do it that way. But I'm saying I appreciate the authenticity, Robin. Robin's like, I'm not going into debt for this show. And I respect that. Because on the other hand, you got people who are willing to spend 50 grand on a kid's fifth birthday. Now, there's probably a happy medium between those two things, but it's hard to find. Y'all, that was an emotional roller coaster. It really was. I feel like we got jerked around. Level 10 jerked around by the season, by the reunion, by stuff happening offline, by Heather on Watch What Happens Live, Lisa tweeting, Linda tweeting. It's a lot. We are mourning the end of that season. And the real main reason why Monica was not able to come back for next season is because due to the weather issues in Salt Lake City and they try to film with like snow on the ground or whatever, they're filming like now. They're starting to film right after the reunion. It's like next week or the next two weeks. And so it was too soon for them to be with Monica in a filming situation. The ladies need a break. So they're about to start filming. Monica better not do any drive-bys. Like someone just get Monica that Fisher Price car. And like, if you want to do drive-bys, just go in the front yard and pretend you're doing a drive-by, play it out with the kids, but don't actually get in a real car. I'm just sitting here and I'm like, can you imagine not being able to pay a $2,000 bill, but you're driving a Range Rover? Mm -mm -mm. Making the Kemsleys proud. (laughs) Tell you what. We kid, they can probably afford $2,000. We hope, we don't know. Before we go, I got a hot take. I hate to dig up the past. I hate to dig up the past, y'all. But the self-righteousness and the way that they were all coming for Monica and talking about how gross she was for what she did and how she doesn't deserve to be there, the way she was taking so many hits from ladies who were in a position where they seemed like they were the moral authority, even though they are flawed, deeply flawed people as well, was reminiscent to me of Potomac. When all the ladies decided that Monique's actions disqualified her from being on the show and they had to sit Monique down and make her feel terrible and they all got on their high horse and they all told her that she was not welcome there and they didn't want to film with her and Karen was the only one that was nice, but Monica didn't have one nice person. She only had Andy. I'm not making a correlation in the situations. I'm just saying the energy that they were giving of like, you are shunned from this group reminded me of when all the women, minus Karen, did that to Monique. And interestingly enough, Monique also brought a prop, a little book that was a flop. And then remember she made a video where it was like, I don't even know what the production cost of that was. 
but it was like a fireside video and her slowly turning the pages of the book like she was actually going to tell us what was in it. And then we still never found out that I remember. It was like, it's too late. It's too late. We're all over it now. You should have done it closer to when the reunion was on. Man, what a ride. I really just need to just go sit in silence. And I know that for the rest of my life, if you want to see the light leave my eyes, if you want to put me in a weird place where I just don't care about anything, just bring up Heather Gay's black eye because I can't do it anymore. But alas, there's no rest for the weary in Bravo Land. Beverly Hills is up next. That's going to be the next recap. That's coming out on Monday, unless, unless I can do it faster. But no promises. Please subscribe and rate this podcast. You can find me on Instagram, on TikTok, where I mostly lurk. I have a YouTube channel where I need to click a button, and then every podcast that I'm putting out will get up on the YouTube. I haven't clicked that button yet, y'all, because I don't have staff. And whatever you do, don't be like Monica. If Andy ever gives you an opportunity to take the floor at a reunion and give a final speech to defend your position as a housewife, you got to take it. (laughs) 